did God create the universe? We're just going to rock and roll. We're going to get straight into it. Let's just do it. All righty. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So, God created the universe mm. freely with wisdom and love. The world is not the result of any necessity, nor of blind fate, nor of chance. God created out of nothing, or ex nihilo, a world which is ordered and good, and which is and which he infinitely transcends. God preserves his creation in being and sustains it, giving it the capacity to act and leading it toward its fulfillment through his Son and the Holy Spirit. There's a lot in there. You say that a lot. That's going to be like when we later have T-shirts. There's a lot in there. Your catchphrase is going to be, there's a lot in there. I'd like that to be on Budgie Smugglers personally. Do you know what I'm saying? Because of my expansive genital. (laughs) Freely, so no one forced him to do it. Noah forced him to do it. He didn't have to do it, but he wanted to do it with wisdom and love. Why do we say he for God instead of they? Yeah, you're very picky on this point, aren't you? The Trinity? Very inclusive. Well, it's that. I'm not saying they is in a gender diverse they, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is three persons. Yeah, but we're talking about the action of the Father being the creator. Yeah. Sort of what we referred to last week. Um, And Father, until about four years ago, was generally considered, considered to be a sort of male construct. Are we pushing for... Is there, sorry, is there a movement for Mama God within the Catholic Church? I mean, not within the Catholic Church, but yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there, there's, wacky, there's wacky sort of theologians out there who sort of say we should call God Mother or, or... I mean, look, man, I have seen some crazy stuff, like a, a depiction of the crucifix with a woman on it. I saw Christa. that. I saw the Christa. People get so upset about the Christa. Sometimes the Christ is very feminine on the cross, but never fully a woman. He was fully a man, James. He was fully a man. By Um, his own time. We're retroactively making people trans now. I don't know if you're aware of this, the creator of Little Women. We don't have to go there. (laughs) So out of nothing, which seems... I get that there's... We're talking about... Like, we're talking... You know, if we're... Prime mover is the word people use, but yeah. there's so it's a, it's a philosophical point that's sort of being made there. So you know, and Exilio comes from like the Bible, right? Yeah, threads out of nothing, but like this is metaphysically an interesting thing. This is like you know, in terms of so for example, it was a it was a Jesuit priest who first proposed the idea of the Big Bang theory. Sure, um, and this was considered uh, Catholic dogma masquerading as scientific theory when it was first proposed. I think you could say that about a lot of greasy Jesuit ideas. <laughs> because it was considered, you know, like the, the Big Bang. It's like you know what? There's, something, there's nothing in this. The something. Jesuits flip it around now and it's scientific ideas masquerading as Catholic dogma. How do you like that, Jesuits? <laughs> I love the Jesuits, I'll just say. But, All right. You know. Someone should. Uh, so, yeah. So, he creates out of nothing... An ordered and good world which he infinitely transcends. And that's important to say as well, is that the, the world has order. There's a reason behind it. God is reasonable. He's, he's rationality itself. And so the world is intelligible. Mm. Right? Like why is there something rather than nothing? Well, because God, God made it. But why can we understand that something? It's because God has ordered it and created it good. It's important. You, you're looking at me like... Well, I know we get to the problem of evil... We do. ...soon. We do, very soon. But that screams out for a discussion of the problem of evil. Well, that's why but the I'll problem wait. of evil comes... I'll wait. Uh, should we move next, yeah. I think we should move All right. Yeah, yeah. What is divine providence? Right. So, the, w- divine providence consists in the dispositions with which God leads his creatures towards their ultimate end. God is the sovereign master of his own plan. 
To carry it out, however, he also makes use of the cooperation of his creatures, for God grants his creatures the dignity of acting on their own and of being causes for each other. And I think we should do the next question before we discuss this. All right. But that does make me think about parasites, tapeworms using other people. Yep. How, well, not other people using people. I don't know that tapeworms qualifies persons. How do we collaborate with divine providence? So while respecting our freedom, God asks us to cooperate with him and gives us the ability to do so through actions, prayers, and sufferings, mm. thus awakening in us the desire to will and to work for his good pleasure. So now we can talk about those two? No, I think we should talk about divine providence here. So, yeah, essentially, I think the... Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, 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 we're good. I didn't just unplug my microphone. Um, so divine providence, which is the, the essentially the, the, the force be, with which God rules the universe, right, is, is how we describe it. Okay. Um, God's plan. God's plan, right? But So everything's in divine providence. So he calls all creatures, specifically human beings, yeah. towards their good. Joseph Fritzl, raping his family in mm. a dungeon, mm-hmm. making new members of that family, mm. raping them too. Sure. Divine providence? No, because clearly Joseph Fritzl was not responding to to the promptings of divine providence. But it was God's plan that a monster like Joseph Fritzl should have the free will to carry out those terrible sexual crimes. Yeah, I mean, essentially it is, yeah. Because I think, if you think about it this way, and and people find this challenging because it's obviously awful to put it in such terms, but it would be more a violation of your freedom for God to, like, prevent you from doing that than you doing it. Right, like to well, it's more of a violation of freedom of the man pushing the button on Nagasaki, but it's not a imposition on the freedom of the children of Nagasaki. Do you know what I mean? Like he could protect people. Yeah, he he could, but I mean, so like if if you're looking at it in the sense of like the sufferings of this world are the, are the, are the worst things that can happen to you. That's, yes, and that's a materialist view of, of the universe. Yes, right? it is. Yeah. Um, but we don't have a materialist view of the universe. We have an immaterial view of the universe, essentially. <laughs> I don't think that's the. I don't think that's the declension. Immaterial view of the universe. Well, I, I, we we believe in an immaterial world as well, right? Like a world that transcends the material. Yeah, yeah. But if you say it's immaterial, that's like uh, I don't care about that. Right. It's sure. immaterial. No, yeah, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what I meant. No, no, so as in, like, we believe that there are things greater than the material universe. And that's yeah. worse than the material universe. It can be, but can be better as well. Okay. Right? So it's like, okay, so it would be one... Th- so, for example, you've got kids, um, Okay, right? I, I do have kids, yeah. Yeah, and when you're with your children and they're about, like, your daughter's about to smack your son, right? Like, of course, you can stop it. And it's good for you to stop it because your daughter shouldn't go around smacking your son. I don't stop it. <laughs> go on, go on. Right. Oh, like, no, I, okay. Yeah, but there, yeah. there's also... Like, so your daughter's about to do something stupid and maybe yeah. it's not going to hurt anybody else other than herself. Right? Yes. Like, you can intervene. And a lot of the times it's good for you to intervene. But sometimes it's also good to not, right? To let her make the mistake. She's got to learn. She's got to learn, right? Like she, and she has to use her freedom to do that. Right, and you want to encourage that freedom. You want to say, okay, you have to take responsibility for your actions. Um, now, the Joseph Fritzl thing is like the most extreme end of this. <laughs> because, of course... I want you to learn, no. Joseph. <laughs> These rapes won't bring you happiness in the end. And I'm sure they did it. Um, they certainly didn't bring anybody else any happiness. Um, but, yeah, I mean, God would not... Vi- for God to violate the free will of a person, of any person, right, would, would be to undo everything that every other person has ever suffered, right? Like if he were to 
intervene in that situation because that's the most horrible one. Yeah. Then you could always go, well, what's this? What's this? What's this? You know. So it's like, well, God has, can either create a world of automatons, which He controls through programming, mm. or He can create a free world, which He has done, um, and call them to the good because He wants them to be good and give them revelation in order to to guide their way. But we also believe that God does sometimes step in and do. You know, there are miracles. There are miracles. There's often, an interventionist God. Often those miracles aren't right. Like, yeah, God doesn't stop the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. No, but sometimes there's a storm and Christ says, let's not have any of this. And the Right, but even in the Gospels, when, whenever Christ is performing those sorts of miracles, he's always sort of doing it for a greater reason, right? Like to, to point towards who he is. Yes. And in order to encourage people to sort of like, recognize that well and then the central thing is that he could save himself from dying on the cross and yeah, he exactly. doesn't and he doesn't yeah mm. because he comes to share in our sufferings the point of like the mystery of christ is not that like suffering goes away but that suffering is not meaningless and we'll get obviously to the to that later on but yeah i mean i think that like this is a that's very good. important point like nice. the, the the plan of divine providence yes so like god has a plan but we can screw it up Right, like because we can be willful, we can be stubborn, we can not want to do it, all that sort of stuff. And so, and there are any number of examples you can think of that. But the, the important thing is, it's that God's so comforting to think that there is suffering and that God has a plan. Yeah. Like it's the it's the best folky wisdom. Whenever you know, when there's a movie and a southerner's like, "God's got a plan for you," it does actually feel good when people say that. Well, I mean, if you look at your own life as somebody who's like found Christianity, like sure. later on. Um, you could think, oh, I made this dumb decision. I, you know, slept with this person. I did these drugs or whatever, right? Like, I made all these terrible mistakes, which God could have stopped. Why didn't He stop them? But also, those things led you to Him, right? Like, the, in, in in Him allowing you to make those mistakes, you learnt to to not make them anymore. And you may have hurt people along the way, which is why you have to make like restitution for. It's a lot of second person here, for what I think should probably be. A first person narrative. I'm absolutely happy to own <laughs> that about myself. Yeah, I'm happy with that view of divine providence. So God respects our freedom, right? And that's like such an important point. And the other thing is like we're supposed to imitate God, right? He respects our freedom. We have to respect each other. Why would he want us to be free? Why wouldn't he just want us to be happy? Is freedom a necessary component of happiness? I mean... No one's happier than a heroin addict lying on the floor, filling up his blood with all the nice feelings. Yeah, I mean... Happy is the wrong word. And that Joyful? And that person is absolutely not free in the Christian yeah, yeah, idea yeah. of the term. Very unfree. He's, he's a slave. Um, and so, no, I don't think in the Christian conception that person could be happy because he's a slave. And slaves can't be happy. So that happiness must be freely chosen. Mm -hmm. It's Which the cross, right? Like Christ freely chooses the cross. Like it's it's the you know it's Socrates drinking the hemlock right like never is a man freer than 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 to do what he did you know like he's like no I have stood for my principles and I understand them and I would drink this hemlock because like that's what it means to be a person of integrity. We're opposed to euthanasia, We're opposed though, to aren't we? And assisted suicide, yeah. <laughs> but I, you you have to admire pagans, right? Like for virtues and sure during the Roman civil wars. It's very impressive that they're always killing themselves. Like, it's wrong, but you go, man, they all do it. 
Well, and also, you know, you think of the Japanese during the Second World War and you sort of go, that little boy flew a plane <laughs> into a battleship. <laughs> That's a lot of things, but cowardly ain't one of them. Well, exactly, right? Like they have a different conception, right? You have to sort of step back and go, that's not my conception of heroism. But like within their framework, which I think is limited because it doesn't have these things, um, it, it, it does meet certain criteria of like virtue. Um, it's not virtuous, but it's like, it's a type of virtue act, virtuous action. Can I tell you what my fringe show is this year? Please do. All right, this is like, uh, I'm only doing one show and I'm only doing it one time in front of 600 people if I can sell that many tickets. Yeah. So the show is about reading a lot about the Japanese emperor and becoming a Hiroshima. Japanese nationalist like who's in favour of kamikaze bombings and wanting to kill myself so that I can restore the empire. Right, yeah. Mi- Mishima yeah, style? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know how it's going to go. <laughs> well, I'm going to go see it, obviously. Right. Yeah. I just I look forward to like walking off stage with a sword and then having a big cascade of blood coming out from side of stage and then reappearing on stage as a ghost and then having the Japanese emperor go to me, not what I wanted for you. <laughs> James, I want to congratulate you on that being your first plug for yourself on this show. Not my last. <laughs> As divine providence uh, that I should do that. If God is omnipotent and provident, then why does evil exist? Right, so I think we should do the next two questions together. Let's do it. So to this question, as painful and mysterious as it is, only the whole of the Christian faith can constitute a response. God is not in any way, directly or indirectly, the cause of evil. He illuminates the mystery of evil in his son, Jesus Christ, who died and rose in order to vanquish that great moral evil, which is human sin which is at the root of all other sins. Why does God permit evil? Faith gives us the certainty that God would not permit evil if he did not cause a good to come from that very evil. This was realized in a wondrous way by God in the death and resurrection of Christ. In fact, from the greatest of all moral evils, the murder of his son, he has brought forth the greatest of all goods, the glorification of Christ and our redemption. So, yeah, I mean, this is like the, the rubber hitting the road. This is the hard stuff of Christian thought. Um, which is, yeah, why does evil exist? Uh, well, on faith, we believe that... I, okay, and to get technical, so God doesn't cause evil, right? Because God is good. It seems obvious that indirectly he does cause evil. And we're saying here that that is not the case. Well, it's only if it depends on how you define it. Um, and in the Christian tradition, you would find define evil as an absence of good, right? Like Right. So... But God creates free will. Yes. He creates a tree that lets evil enter into the world right then he puts them in a garden yeah where they can reach up and because, eat from the tree because they have freedom yeah but if i take my daughter yeah to make it a a try i mean yeah if, my, if i if i leave a a sharp knife out within reach yeah i've indirectly caused a stabbing yeah i think we've we've already covered the garden of eden but it's situation. the word that yeah. indirect right like that God does not directly or indirectly, what's the, I want the exact wording, cause evil. Yes. He's permitting evil to happen. He, he permits, but he does not will, right? So like God has allowed evil to enter into the world through human sin, right? So, as, so the other thing is, as Christians, we believe that evil only exists because of human sin. Right, like evil only exists in the world because... Including evil in the natural world. Yeah, Earthquakes, tsunami. All that stuff. Only exists, so we have made all of creation fall through our sin because all of creation was made for us. And so through our willfulness and stubbornness and pride, 
we have caused all of creation to fall, which is why you can have like natural disasters, which is why we can sort of like loot and plunder the earth. These things are not the natural way of, this is not what God had in mind for creation. But he permits it to happen because he respects our freedom. But we're saying he was shocked when we ate the apple and that came into the world? I, I, look, I, people get hung up on the Genesis story and I think it's the wrong thing to be hung up on because it's, you only have to look at your own life, right? Like to, to know that you're an idiot, right? Like the, 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 the fall is an evident fact. But what does that tell us about God? Like, I'll grant yeah. that obvi- I don't, I feel fairly obvious that I, people can't, I can't live up to my ideals. Yeah. There are things that I would like to do with the will and the body won't comply. There's a painful disconnect between sure. those two things. I do what I ought not do. Yeah. With great frequency. Too much. Yeah. So I, th- I think what's telling here is But that tells us that, that God... Uh, allows that to happen. I mean, we, is it the is it cause that he's not the like the genesis of that? Like, what is the yeah? So cause is a technical cause is, word. Yeah, it and is so, a technical. So, so word. there's there's a bit of technical stuff going in here. So in in the in the Christian thought, evil is an absence of good and not a not a positive thing in itself. Right? It's not like we don't we don't believe in a dualism where evil is a positive force like contending with good. Evil is the absence of good. Right? So like, what's the name for that? Well, there's evil in the world and it's fighting. Oh, like good. well, uh, Manichaeism. I was going to say Manichaeism. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what Saint Augustine was into um, before he became a Christian. Uh, and there are sort of like Christian heresies that, that go along these lines. That is attempting, like it's always attempting heresy, basically, because you can sort of very easily fall into the trap of the idea of like evil is a positive force. But we say evil is an, is not a positive force. It's a negative force. It's a lack of something. So what did Adam and Eve lack? Right? They. It's not that they weren't. It's not that they were positively evil. They just lacked the trust in God, right? Satan is an adversary and an accuser. Yeah. Like there is someone called Satan. Yeah. We believe in we, Satan. We believe in a, yeah. And Satan, Satan is not just well, it's funny, lacking so in God. Quite quickly we do get to the angels, but yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, we're getting to Satan soon? Very soon, but I think we should, I, I, let's keep going, yeah. Well, the God has an adversary. Mm-hmm. In, well, no, God doesn't have an adversary. We do. Okay. Satan is not God's adversary, he's ours. St. Michael's adversary. Well, yeah, St. Michael kicks his ass, baby. Boom! <laughs> Cam- <laughs> Cameraman Sam's doing this. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, so it's... Well, Satan has a domain, right? It's hell. And he is... He's he's contending with God for our soul. Right, so, I mean, what, what I quite like is that the image of... Satan in hell in Dante. Well, he's unhappy. Not only is he unhappy, he's like, he's completely isolated. He's cold. He's completely introverted. Like, Dante and um, uh, Virgil get there. And Satan doesn't even recognise. He doesn't even look at them, right? Like, they're standing right in front of he's him. He's too prideful. And, he's, and it's isolated and it's cold. Everything's covered in ice. Because it's like, he's so selfish. He lacks so much goodness, right? Like, he's just, he's completely within himself. So that, and I think it's a great image of what evil is, right? Like evil is not like some sort of malicious force. It's the lack of a good force, right? Like it's this, it's complete selfishness. I mean, evil can be done for non-selfish reasons, we wouldn't say. 
that not well, every that not every we'll get evil to that act when we talk is, about moral acts. Yeah, yeah, okay. we'll get to that when we talk about moral acts. But I, I, I think in a, in this general broad sense, what I what I think is important now to, to focus on is like so for example, um, right? So like you used the example of rape earlier, and I just, I mean it's an awful example, and you know maybe there are people out. Yeah, who, Do you want to use a different one? Who will listen? Well, I don't know. All we right, brought no, it up now, and yeah. it's uh, it's the elephant in the room. Uh, I am not. Imagine getting way. raped by an elephant. <laughs> Wouldn't that be most displeasing indeed? I'd, yeah. Look. Go on. Go on. Come on. Touchy subject. All right. Obviously. It's very touchy. What is it a lack of? Too much touching. It, I apologise. It's it's a lack of the respect for somebody else's dignity. Yes. For their integrity. For their freedom. Yeah. Right? Like it. It's lacking in all these things. Like it's not some like like this person has some positive idea of like it, it, on any respect. You sort yeah. of look at any like evil action of like mass murder or anything, or the, the Nazis or sort of stuff. It's like they lack in things that we think are obvious, right? When people look back now, it's not enough love, not enough. Compassion. Oh, these people didn't have science. These people didn't have an understanding of the modern human person. All this sort of stuff. Like they lack in these qualities. That's what evil is. It's it's the deficiency of the good. I'm happy with that. But why um, would God allow... Like, God is obviously allowing for there to be, for us to choose something that's not good. Right, so I think that that is more in the, the realm of, like, divine providence, right? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, so why is he doing it? He's doing it to respect our freedom. But so if God is an omnipotent and provident, then why does he allow evil? And the, the answer is only the whole of the Christian faith can constitute a response. So what we're saying here is it's not enough to sort of, like, Think of only God the Father in isolation of everything else. That continues to be a frustrating answer for a lot of this catechism. Well, it which is. Which is like, just take a step back, have a look at it. Because it's this, man. It's the cross, right? Like, it's that's the answer, right? Like, the answer is God suffers and dies to be with us in it. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't rid us of suffering. He doesn't say, oh, well, evil is this big problem I've got to solve. He takes the problem of evil on himself and carries it until death. Right, that's Christianity. That's that's the only response that we've got, and it's like, as responses go, it's a pretty bloody good one. Well, I certainly prefer to this Buddhist thing of "Don't worry about it. You don't have to suffer at all. Remove well, yourself from suffering." Well, yeah, like, it, we make, make me, we try so and make small. There is that, suffering. Yeah, exactly. we have to make meaning of it. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm ha I'm happy with it. I'm happy with that as an answer. I I mean, it's hard. You know, but you you talk to people who've really suffered, sure, right? And like some people who have suffered much more than me, um, have a much stronger and better faith than me. And some people who have suffered more than me don't. Yeah, and they'll say, "Listen, mm. this happened to me. My dad took a bottle to my dog when I was a child, cut him up real bad. Mm. I saw that. He set fire to my fourth grade teacher. Sure, like what? Like just people with real horror stories yeah. who really don't believe. Yeah, that." God could exist in such a terrible yeah, yeah, sure. world. Yeah. I now, personally, I don't feel that. Uh, not because nothing bad has ever happened to me. Yeah. I just have sort of a cheery disposition <laughs> where this is... This I don't, so... Yeah. Well, maybe there's something that we should yeah. <laughs> flip sides <laughs> as we discuss this. I don't... Um, I never really... Yeah, it all, it all just seems like suffering is not really that important. So the, the next question... Now, let me which, rephrase that. that. Suffering is not like an existential threat. To belief in a good God. So faith gives us the certainty that God would not permit evil if he did not cause a good to come from that very evil. Um, and that is the thing that's very challenging. You can get all sorts of trite answers to that, right? Like, you know, 
the classic one is like, oh, you break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and all your friends sort of say to you, oh, it happened for a reason. Plenty of fish in the sea. Yeah, exactly, all that sort of stuff. And it, like, you know, there's, and that sucks when people say it to you in the, in the moment because you're like, oh, I don't want to fucking hear that. Yes. Um, but later you always sort of go, uh, you know, like, the, like I can learn from these things. Like this was a bad experience and I can actually draw some stuff from it if you're sort of like a positive, well-adjusted person. Um, the other thing is like uh, the, the example that I like to use is the Lord of the Rings, right? And maybe not everyone's familiar with the Lord of the Rings, but at the very end of Lord of the Rings. I think like, it's the least esoteric reference you've ever made on great, this program. Great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So Frodo and Sam get to Mount Doom, right? Like they're there to destroy the ring. Like that's their whole mission. And they've suffered so much to get there and so have all their friends and people have died. It's been this whole horrible ordeal. They've got like golems like following them and this whole thing. So they get to the edge of the lava and Frodo's like, I'm not doing it. Spoiler alert. Sorry if that spoiled it for anyone. He's like, I'm not going to do it. Like, and he puts the ring on and he's like, I'm going to be the Lord of the Rings now. And it's like, oh, what the fuck? Like, that's like, the, like at the final hurdle, he fails. Yeah. Right? Like, that's the, tr- the, the real tragedy of that. So Tolkien is doing this very on purpose because he calls this the U catastrophe. Right, which is he's he's building his story along the lines of the cross. That's funny. Yeah, because it's a euphoric catastrophe. Because yeah. from this failing comes a good. I thought it was like the Eucharist catastrophe. Well, I mean, essentially Sorry. it is, right? Yeah, but yeah because instead of Christ, yeah. it's uh, not that Charist is... And so then Gollum bites the ring off Frodo's finger and falls into Mount Doom, thus destroying the ring and ending Sauron's evil reign, right? Yeah. And so he's, this is a euphoric catastrophe because it couldn't have happened except for this way, even though it meant a great deal of suffering for the people who were involved. In the same way, the cross is the same thing, right? Like the, the, the apostles and Mary, the mother of God, are there at the you know, foot of the cross. Christ is, has been crucified and he's died and it all looks, you know, the temple rands and it's just like darkness for three days. And it's like, ah, oh, it's the worst thing that could possibly have ever happened. And it's only through that, because of it, that you can get salvation, right? Like, and that's, the sort of like structure of life in the Christian idea, right? Like terrible, tragic things happen to you and it's awful. Like you get cancer and this happened to a good friend of ours, right? Get cancer and it's terrible. And and she died and that's very sad. But through that, yeah. she became a saint. Yeah, there's a good argument to be made. <laughs> I mean, she hasn't I been canonized. She, was get she hasn't been canonized. The cancer. She hasn't been canonized, and uh, well, I mean, I I think she was quite saintly by the end. And, yeah, you know, it, was, it was a very like moving thing to it's watch. It's hard, and it's, I mean, it's especially hard because no one has suffered everybody's suffering, which is mm. then what is nice about Christ and in the garden and taking everyone's sins onto Himself yep. and and becoming sin and for all humanity. But yep. there are limitations in the amount that you and I have suffered. Sure, um, and that. Have, have even known people to suffer. Mm. And so it f- sometimes it feels phony to me mm. to be able to say something, for me to be able to say to someone, you know, like if a fucking kid had cancer or something, God forbid, God forbid. Sure. Like, yeah, just yeah, I'm thinking yeah. the worst no, thing I can I'm think with, of, yeah, yeah. being like, oh. Don't worry. Don't worry, this is for some bigger, some big's coming to this, don't you worry about yeah, that. Yeah. Which is what, first of all, I think that person probably does need to hear. Yeah. But to say that with authority is really hard. Yeah. Which is part of the nice thing about we don't have to speak with authority. We just channel the message of yeah. someone who did have authority, who's God. But it's, man, it's a hard thing to bear witness to. And it's why it's so powerful. Yeah. Do you know Cameron Fred? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. 
seriously sick lady. Shout out to the frats. Shout yeah. out to the frats. Yeah. When she says, with all the stuff that she goes through and lives yeah. through, you have to offer that up to God and here's what that means yeah. and here's why you have to live through suffering. It's so powerful. And yeah. it's helped so many women. It's helped my wife. Yeah. So many women I know. When she says that, like, yeah. there's meaning to this suffering, offer it up. It's beautiful. When I say that to my wife... <laughs> Shut up, Jack. It feels feels ridiculous. It feels like a ridiculous thing to say. So to have the witness of people who yeah. are uh, who have experienced incredible suffering, yeah, to be able to it's very it feels very powerful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's and it's so easy to like. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I was a bit hesitant to sort of like deal with specific things because it's 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 such an easy theory, and the living of it is like the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Like, uh, but uh, but that's like. One thing you can count on, basically, is that you're going to suffer and die. Um, that's that's the guarantee, right? Like death and taxes. Um, so, and I'm not paying my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. no, I do, but this is this is also why Christianity, I think, can feel um, at its at the worst telling of the message. Mm. It feels. I don't think I did a bad job of it then, but yeah. You did great, hey? You did great. Mm. But I'm thinking of like youth pastors who come and talk to you when you're in year seven, and it feels super gay, like in a way that Islam never feels gay, right? When the Muslim's like, God is strong, and God is all-powerful, and we will create a name, we are strong! Or where Jews are like, we're very exacting about the law, we're yeah. doing it right. Yeah. You know, or the Buddhists are like, I'm just detaching, it's fine. But when some guy comes to your school and he's like, hey, he's suffering and died for you, and you're like, what do you know of suffering, loser? You weak, soft, nothing of a person. Like, that is a unique experience of Christians evangelizing and it being gross, right? Yeah, is that I'm- unfair? I mean, I was never particularly moved by those things. Uh, yeah, and I, I think in the I remember hating it. Well, I, when yeah, I was no, a no, kid, but like in the they would come to the school. Yeah, I, I hated them. Protestants, them. Protestants man. Like in the I'm not just a, they're Catholic, they're a loser Catholic priests. Look, yeah, there are. But I mean, the other <laughs> thing about like what's beautiful about the Catholic priesthood, I think, is that you've got a ideally celibate man. Yeah. Who, you know, like. Is there on the at the drop of a hat? He may not be doing it right, but he's called upon to suffer. Yeah, even if he's even if he's living imperfectly. Yeah, he's trying, hopefully, right. And it's like, okay, he's a man who has taken willingly taken on suffering, right? Like for you to do this thing for you, which is bringing the sacraments, bring you God. And it's like, all right, it's it's hard to look that man in the eye and say like, you don't know what I'm going through because he <laughs> he probably doesn't know what specifically <laughs> no, you're going through. I know, but I love that. Men are so horny that that's the equivalent. It's like, <laughs> like yes, you can look someone with cancer in the eye and go, listen, I don't get any pussy. <laughs> it's not just, I understand it's not just where you're coming from. Man, it's, no, but that's a children, big, that's know, a big like, one. That's a big, yeah, it's nice to have children too. Yeah, you have a family. You, have, you go home and there's somebody at home who might have made you dinner or might be yelling at you. Might, you know, your life could be very difficult when you're married. Yeah, but like, it's never lonely. It's never lonely. Right, like you don't. Oh, you it's don't never, I'll rephrase that. It's never quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think you could be very lonely in a marriage for sure. Um, we should. I think. I think we've covered that. How long have we done? Well, as we're going to cover it. Thirty. Thirty. Yeah, we can keep going. We All right. Yeah. Heaven and earth. Oh, we have to heaven and earth. So, what did God create? Sacred Scripture says, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." The Church, in her profession of faith, proclaims that God is the creator of everything visible and invisible mm-hmm. or of all spiritual and corporeal beings that is of angels and of the visible world and in a special way of man i think we should just 
plug on there. You want to play on. All right. Who are the angels? The angels are purely spiritual creatures, incorporeal, invisible, immortal, and personal beings endowed with intelligence and will. They ceaselessly contemplate God face to face, and they glorify him. They serve him and are his messengers in the accomplishment of his saving mission to all. One more. In what way are the angels present in the life of the church? The church joins with the angels in adoring God, invokes their assistance, and commemorates her in some liturgies. Right. When, when those angels turned out to light, Did you not immediately go there when no, you heard I this description? Not. I mean, I was thinking of like... They wanted to fuck them. They said, bring them out here. We're going to have sex with those angels. I think Scott Hahn called that a particularly acute form of inhospitality, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. He's a funny man. Um, sagacious. What but was that, the question? Well, if the, if angels don't have... Gosh, I saw a funny... I saw a funny... I saw a, I saw a, I saw a fun, I think it's the Adam Friedland show with the Stuff Island boys today. Okay. They were talking about Michael Jackson. And they're talking about Michael Jackson's genitals. Someone says Michael Jackson was like the angels. He, he was smooth. All angels are smooth. <laughs> <laughs> so that angels do not have like, do, they're not have atoms. They're not corporeal entities. No, so they're not physical, right? So they're, they're incorporeal. They so. listen to that song by... <laughs> What's her name? Olivia Newton-John. And they just go, not for me. I won't be getting physical. Girls joke of all time. Yeah, like how could they, like obviously Lot wanted to, thank you Sam. Obviously Lot, Lot's, the people outside Lot's door wanted to have sex with those angels. And that's why Lot tried to give them his daughters. But what, what was there to have sex with? Yeah, so I mean, well, what does it mean when an angel appears to Mary, right? Or the angels appear to the shepherds, right? Like it. You know, and in the Old Testament, angels are sort of described as, like, quite scary. Um, you know, like big rings and lots of eyes. Lots of eyes, lots of wings, lots yeah. of good stuff. All that sort of stuff. Um, a wheel within a wheel way in the middle of the air. Yeah. So, essentially, like, there is we, – we can't – we depict angels in whatever way we can because it's like, you know, little cherubic ch- children. I wanted to be boys. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that sketch? Yeah, Kieran showed it to me. Was that not funny? It was very funny. I watched it a number of times. I've watched it. I've I've tried to reach out to the guy. We should um put that if we have show notes. Can we load that up? Well, Your Holiness, thank you so much for bringing me on board. Michelangelo, it's a pleasure to have you here. I mean, this job, the Sistine Chapel, it's big job, big place, big yes. job. Well, look, I've got a few ideas um, that I've been working on, um, but but I'd love to know I'd love to know what you've been thinking about. Yeah, it. you know, I was thinking, what's the thing that encapsulates the Bible and everything we do here the most? What do you think? Mm. Angels, right? That's Angels. it. That's okay. in one word. Um, well, I've read the book. Oh, you read the book. That's good. So we're thinking um, hundreds of eyes. Um, they've got the wings. They've got a wheel. Yeah, well, this is the, you know, all that wheel stuff, all the wings and the being not afraid stuff. That's pretty played out. Right. So mm. I was thinking, maybe this time, why don't we make them a lot of young boys? You, you want them to be young... Boys on the yeah, I was thinking maybe this time we make them a lot of young boys. What about that? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I've not imagined them as humans, so what do you think they'll be wearing? Or? Mikey, they're not wearing nothing. They're not okay. wearing nothing in this one, Mikey. So it's just like a leaf covering? No. no. Right, um... No. Mikey. They're not wearing nothing. They're not wearing nothing, Mikey. 
Have I not shown you? That's the funniest guy. It's so funny. It's very funny. So that angels are weird, spooky, non-corporeal entities. Yes. But how can we see them? What's What light is refracting off them? So they're, they're purely spiritual creatures, um, and they do the will of God, essentially. So no, normally angels in the Bible are messengers. Um, so they, they're, they're telling somebody about the will of God. Because to actually see God face to face would kill you. Yeah, well, I mean, but that... Like on are, the mountain. Sorry? Like on the mountain, when they try to see God. Yeah. He's like, turn away. You know yeah, 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 yeah. It's Moses, yeah. So, but like angels have a different relationship. So they have, we just we would say that they have a will and an intellect, right? Like, but what they don't ha- have is essentially the same type of freedom that we do. Um, they're more like robots. Well, they, because they're eternal, right? They're like all, all angels are created essentially. Immortal. Yeah. Eternal. More than eternal? Like they're, they're just eternal. outside of time. They're outside of time. Right. They're, so they get one choice, which is to do God's will or not. Is this in here? Because I remember hearing about this, that like at the moment of their creation, they get a choice. Is this in the catechism? Or is this extra, is the, the deeper catechism? I, I think this is more sort of theological speculation. Okay. That yeah. like pre the, pre-time, yeah. angels, as they are brought into being, have a choice yeah. to either comply with or not to comply with God's yeah. will. But they do have a choice. They do have a but choice. But it's a fixed choice it's, because they don't have well, a Well, because they're eternal, right? Yeah. Because, they, because like the choice they make once is the choice they make forever and they keep making it. Whereas we get to exist in time and fuck up and make a different choice. Um, but angels don't really get that. So, so Satan is fixed, right, eternally also, making his choice. Exactly. But they also have something else, which is they get the immediacy of knowing what their choice is, whereas we don't, right? Like we have a sort of darkened will and intellect. They have a fully enlightened will and intellect. But they're not... Are they they're omnipotent? No, they're not So they're, omnipotent. they're omni... I mean, no, they know everything. They see God face to face. Yeah, I mean, they... I, God's created them to know some things about himself, but not others, presumably. Look, I probably should have brushed up on my angelology before we addressed this, and I didn't. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so this is essentially why we say, like, Satan fell, right? Which is that, like, he, he made his choice, which was to... And, you know, like, I mean... And a bunch of other angels made a choice with him. Yeah, I mean, I love Paradise Lost. I know a lot of Never read don't. it. Really? Never. Oh, so good. Um, I would rather reign in hell than serve in heaven, says Satan, like, the first book. And it's like... Yeah, it's a cruel warping of what Caesar says when he's going through... Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. yeah. Gaul? I think so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they get that one fixed choice, whereas we don't. But we do... I mean, That might be more speculation. Okay. But in terms of what we have to believe, it's that angels are real, essentially, and they're not... And they don't have world. bodies. They don't have bodies. But they look like stuff. They can, So they can appear to us... In mysterious ways and assumably in recognisable ways. And you think like if, like, for example, like the Blessed Virgin Mary appears to people. Um, she's got a body though. Yeah, she's got a body. It's in heaven. Um, but an angel would assumably, right, like if they're, they're communicating to you somehow. She was assumedly. Yeah, that's right. They're communicating to you somehow. So they use language, right? Like they're probably using the language that you speak. Um, so why wouldn't they look to you like someone that's familiar to you, you know? What? And that, but people seem to be afraid when they see them. Right? Like the angel yeah, seems to open pretty, with like, hey, chill, relax. But couldn't they just assume like a friendly, jolly form? Well, we, we saw, um, what was the movie we saw just before? It's Christmas? a Wonderful Life. A wonderful and when Clarence life. appears, the guy's terrified. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. But he also looks like a normal dude, you know? 
But we don't it's back. It's a wonderful life. Great movie. Great movie. Encourage everybody to watch it. Great it happened one night. Also a great movie. Frank Capra. So many good movies. Somebody Lost good Horizon. Movie. Didn't care for it. Other ones. Excellent. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Can't say enough good things. But what I'd like to get at now is that the angelology of It's a Wonderful Life, we don't hold to. We don't believe that people become angels. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Okay. No, you're a human, so you have a human soul. And that angels have... Angelic a- souls. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. I think we should just move on because it's a bit... I'd like to take a end. break. Oh, are you sure? Wait, it's think, hot. Yeah, yeah, we, we should do the last couple of All questions. All right, power through. And then... What does sacred scripture teach about... The, I'll, I'll read the line. Beside each believer stands an angel as a protector and shepherd, leading him to life. Is that true? Yeah, we believe in, like, guardian angels and stuff, so... All right. Yeah. Is there an infinite number of angels? I mean, essentially, yes. Like, more than we could count? Yeah, we talk about them as the hosts of heaven, okay. right? Like, there are, there are hosts of them. There's a lot. What does that mean, host? Like a big... Like they're welcoming you in? <laughs> That's what I always thought. No, like if an army's coming to you, it's a host of okay. enemies or something, you know? What does sacred scripture teach about the creation of the visible world? Through the account of the six days of creation, sacred scripture teaches us the value of the created world and its purpose, namely to praise God and to serve humanity. Every single thing owes its very existence to God, from whom it receives its goodness and perfection, its proper laws, and its proper place in the universe. Yeah, it just seems to be saying it's all good. God God made everything and everything is perfect. Mm -hmm. It's meant to be. What is the place of the human person in creation? The human person is the summit of visible creation in as much as he or she is created in the image and likeness of God. The summit of visible creation. Yeah, so the, the angels um, are jealous of us, right, for, for the things that we get to do is the idea, right? Like because Do the angels tell us that? No, this is just sort of like a, a sort of... Do the angels thing. yearn to be human? I, I think that, that like we have something that they don't have, which is the life of Christ, which we can be baptised into. Right. Like angels cannot become Christians, right? They cannot, they cannot enter into the to the life of the Trinity like we can. They can't become God in the way that we, through Christ, right. become God, B- become like God. That's right. Yeah, become God. Well, yeah. Well, I, that was on the previous page actually. The, the, yeah. the, the quote that I was going to quote last week, which I was rudely cut off by. Apologize. The glory of God is man fully alive. More of a man's life is the vision of God. Um, yeah, that's actually a terrible translation. I've heard cooler translations. Where it's like, man alive is God. Anyways, <laughs> I think we should just do these last couple of questions and finish it. All right. What was language was it in originally? Latin? Greek? Irenaeus, probably Latin. I'm probably sure. Latin. What kind of bond exists between created things? There exists an interdependence and a hierarchy among creatures as willed by God. At the same time, there is also a unity and solidarity among creatures, since all have the same creator, are loved by him, and are ordered to his glory. Respecting the laws inscribed in creation and the relations which derive from nature of things, therefore, is a principle of wisdom and the foundation for morality. I'm at the top of the food chain. I get to eat the turtle. Well, I mean, yeah, we are the top of the food chain. Like, there is a hierarchy in creation. We're at the top of it. Um, but the other thing is that there is a there is a solidarity there, right? Like that we can't abuse creation, and that there is we must be kind and noble husbands. Yeah, it's, you know, we should look after creation. Animal this is a positive thing. Husbandry, not the way that you meant it, but yeah, I mean, it's something that that people can often, if you're 
attracted to Catholicism. You're coming to it from... You're going to say attracted to animals, guys. <laughs> from the right, I suppose, where sort of like... In this day and age, sure. Yeah, and yeah. there's a sort of like raised eyebrow about the sort of like, you know, creation stuff, right? Where it's like, oh, we should look after the earth. Um, and people sort of go, oh, like Pope Francis wrote an encyclical a couple of years ago on like looking after creation and people were sort of like... You know, raised eyebrows. Don't be a homocentric view of the world. Don't be a man-centered view. Anthropocentric. Yeah. So, yeah. but like, uh, th- there is a very long tradition in Christianity of like, no, we should like we like we're in charge. We're in charge, but that that's not like for us to abuse and do what we want, right? There is an ordered way of doing that. We should have an ordered relationship with creation. The world is not a collective. The world is a company that we run as. Well, no, beneficent so I mean, CEOs. I, I, think, I think you're taking the piss out of me here. But I'm like, being. Fi- I'm, there's a there's a hierarchy that's not abusive. I mean, this is to a certain mind and a certain way of thinking. Yeah. There is no such thing as a as a non-abusive hierarchy that all sure. power yeah. is to be abused. Yeah. And we don't really believe that. No. That a, with a father and a child, the father has the power, but the father should exercise that power in a benign way. Yeah. And yeah. so too with the sow and the foal. Well, I mean, if you think about it, and like the bonsai tree, like. Uh, so in, like, I hate to beat up on Islam here, but like, so if in Islam, you you know, what is it? You hang up the, the animal and you cut its throat, you let it bleed out. And that's the halal way of, yeah. you know, butchering the animal, right? Which is quite painful and the animal suffers quite a bit. Um, so they say. Right. As a Christian, you would say, this is actually wrong, right? Like, like the, we shouldn't needlessly cause suffering in animals, right? Like, there's, there's no problem in killing and eating animals. No. But... There is a way that you can have a relationship with that process that isn't like immoral. You can treat them nicely, yeah, before you kill and eat them. Well, also, and you should kill them quickly and painlessly, and was because like you're supposed to look after it, like you're you're a guardian for it. Yes, yeah, which does not seem to be a natural like in the natural world. Like this, this is a pretty strange thing that you should kill an animal painlessly. Yeah, um, and in most human societies. People don't seem to care. No. Like whenever a video comes out of us like shipping cows overseas yeah. to some Vietnamese slaughterhouse live export, yeah. some guy with a baseball bat. It's <laughs> getting it wrong. Yeah. But there is something about being not quite euthanizing the animal, but like stunning it and and just killing it like we we want it not to suffer. We want it not to suffer. By yeah. and large. Yeah, but also like we shouldn't want to exploit the cre- like creation to the point that like there is no further resources, all this sort of stuff, right? Like we have to have a harmonious relationship. Like we are, we have been given a sort of like a, a, a privilege by being the protectors of the earth, um, which is for our benefit, but also for the benefit of, you know, we should look after creation while we do it. Um, so yeah. Wouldn't a better way to look after those animals though be to not kill them and eat them? I think uh, yeah. Look, we will get to sort of animals right. more deeply. I was a vegetarian on. for many years, so I have a yeah, I have a counter argument to that. I know point. you were. Yeah, yeah. I look. My if we have t-shirts, my t-shirt will be. We'll get to that later, and yours will be the other one. Yeah. I forget what it was, but I wanted it on uh, budgies. And uh, what ah, what kind of what are we up to? 64? 64? 65. 65. Last one for this episode. What is the relationship between the work of creation and the work of redemption? The work of creation culminates in the still greater work of redemption, which in fact gives rise to a new creation in which everything will recover its true meaning and fulfillment. So cool. in the new covenant, we should have a restored relationship with creation. 
when we come back after death and everything is right and no, we've got our bodies. Like we should aspire to that now, right? Like We want to build that heaven on earth? Yeah. Well, we, we, we should aspire to live as well as we can given the salvation of, given the redemption that was won for us on the cross. Like, it's not, it's not a sort of carte blanche to do whatever we want. No, no, I'm, I'm with yeah. you. That we, we see a way to live. Yeah. And that it is, we should try and live in that way. It's not like sin boldly, right? It's not just, all right, he did it. Now you're good. Don't worry. Off you go. It's like, oh, no, it comes with responsibility. Well, you know, <laughs> as uh, MC Ride says, responsibility's cool, but there's more things in life. Like getting your d- Right. I think that's a good time to end the episode. Thank you for joining us here on the Catacast. We'll be back with another episode soon.